Hello and welcome to Enough Said, the podcast brought to you live and direct from Ithaca House by the registered charity Independent Newham Users Forum, also known as Enough. Enough is a project that supports Newham-based residents with mental health recovery strategies, socially inclusive environments and informal learning environments to give them activities, events to create a more sustainable future for them. And today we are being introduced and by Trevor Jones, myself, and we are co-hosted by Stephen Code. Hi. And Michael Ahern. Hi. And we are also controlled by MKH Inc. Good day. Uh, today we're in a roundabout way. We, we're probably looking for a filler item now, but today we're probably going to talk about music and mental health. Uh, how music affects our mood, uh, changes our perspective on life, and perhaps how mental health has even influenced the songs that we've come to know and love. So, uh, guys, um, let's talk about um, music in the broadest terms. I mean, when do you like listening to music to change your mood? I listen to music all the time. Yeah. I don't know if I listen to it to change my mood. Yeah. But I don't I've noticed that I don't listen to any downbeat music anymore. And what genre is downbeat music? I wouldn't say that downbeat music is a genre, it's just that I, I I very rarely listen to kind of acoustic or reflective or Yeah. You know, um sort of um emotional music. I found that I don't listen to it anymore. So are we talking no more uh, Coldplay or are we oh, talking wow. <laughs> no more uh, Phil Collins are we talking uh, no more Massive Attack who are we talking about um well okay so I mean I used to, used to listen to The Cure a lot when I was a kid okay and um, that's Robert Smith yeah Robert Smith yeah. and their early kind of goth stuff yeah it's kind of quite bleak and yeah, downbeat, mm. and I don't really listen to that anymore. I yeah. listen to their happy stuff, but not the. I, I, I just listen to upbeat music now. The thing is, The Cure has made a comeback a little bit in terms of their soundtracks are being used for um, the TV series Westworld, which is quite a dark series about um, I, I, the I, I, robots and artificial intelligence yeah, in the near future. I've heard that The Cure don't charge if you use their music. For real? Yeah. Wow, that is. So that might just be a cost-cutting exercise. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they probably spent all of their budget on the uh, CGI in that show as well. Yeah. But I think there was. uh, I'm trying to remember what song that they've used in. um, Whoops. In um, Westworld, because um, I remember that uh, there's a. I think it's called um, a forest, and there's a guy called Ramin Jawadi. And he has basically reimagined several songs, like Paint It Black as well by um, Rolling the Rolling Stone. Stones. And uh, he's done it set to like more ambient tracks or pianos and acoustic and analogue uh, uh, instruments. And uh, it kind of gives a, a, a darker reflection on... Um, the, the, the revised version of Westworld and Westworld for me as a TV series it seems to explore more of the the mental health side of sci-fi than just the um, the fantasy and the thriller side of it because you've got characters who've been very introspective whether they're humans or robots 
about what it means to exist and how to understand the reality of their existence. Okay. I haven't seen Westworld. Uh, you're missing a trick here, but it's probably one of the best TV series of modern times, and and I think it's worth watching. But I'd say wait for season two to come out, and then you can just binge watch it all you like. Okay. Um, Michael, um, how about music and mood for you? Is there any changes there? No, not really. I've, I've got various various tastes. So. Yeah. Do you feel that there's music that you've had to stop listening to because it might be a bit too downbeat? Um, not really. I would just not listen on that day. Yeah. Okay. And how about yourself, MKH? Uh, when when I am in a low mood, I will usually uh, flick through my playlist. Yeah. And uh, if there's one song that resonates with me, yeah. I I will put that I'll play that song repeat for the next five hours. Just the one track. Yeah, the one track. So really? you're that yeah. extended three hour version of the XXX intro, and you just loop it. Yeah, I'll loop it. Yeah. literally until I, my mood is risen and I feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I've, okay. done, I've, done, I've done that quite a few times in the last in in the last few weeks actually. It's been. But you're quite a creative person, so is that because is that something that you do specifically because of your mood, or is that because you're trying to shake something out of a writer's block or something like that, or a creative block you're going through? It is usually out of a a mood. When when I'm trying to overcome writer's block, yeah, I will just let the the shuffle play on and on. Yeah, but if yeah, I'm yeah. in a mood, yeah. A specific mood where I'm sad about something or yeah. I've argued with someone yeah I will then play that one s- song that resonates with me for and is that a tra- repeat is that a track you go and find or you just rely on YouTube autoplay or Spotify playlist? Uh, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I I I haven't become a slave to the streaming services yeah so I've amassed a catalog of my own yeah and I've ha- I've got so many songs I haven't listened to all of them. Yeah, yeah. So it will be on shuffle, and then yeah. the one song I said, "Oh, I haven't heard this before," and it's yeah. really good. Yeah, I just have that on on repeat. Wow. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like I think if it's any mo- songs that really get me like downbeat, it's actually cover versions, and particularly uh, cover versions from. Um, these kind of reality TV show, pop idol, uh, voice things. I, I think there's, maybe I'm holding on to the past, but I don't like people ruining old songs or trying to reimagine old songs. And I kind of get tired of listening to the whispering cover version of a, a old rock tune or something like that. But um, I know, which especially that gets used a lot in their commercials and TV ads. But um, I think an upbeat, uh, type of music that I've I've kind of got into is um, new retro wave, which is like synth music from the eighties, but it's kind of made now. So I've been listening to people like Com Trues and uh, Trevor Something, and um, even another guy called Moon. But um, yeah, synth wave is something I've kind of got into, and now you've got TV shows like Stranger Things. Which are kind of kind of promoting eighties music all over again in its soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So, what about the musicians themselves? I mean, do you guys ever have any thoughts or concerns about 
um, artists who are struggling with their own mental health as they uh, produce music? I wouldn't say I'm concerned about them because I, I doubt they'll come to me for advice. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, but, no, it's interesting to... Um, so, uh, you know, some musicians have obviously have bigger problems than other musicians. And but when you think of people like, I suppose, Ian Curtis, Kurt Cobain, uh, Richie James, there have been like mm. uh, tormented artists who've yeah, made yeah. some of the best music yeah. in um, UK pop culture and history, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. But so, what's the question? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, we're talking about music and mood. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, and it's a, it's a, it's a way for people to to work out their their demons, isn't it? The music. I mean, that's what those people have used it for. So, um, is there? Have you been alarmed by? Uh, has anyone been like alarmed or surprised by um, how depressed some musicians can be, uh, despite the the songs that they've made and the successes that they've had? I, I don't think it's a surprise. I think, I mean what you're saying suggests that as soon as you have success and money you'll be happy mm. and that doesn't seem to be the case so I don't think it I mean if anything it probably exemplifies yeah their problems I mean look at someone like uh, Richie Richie James and oh, from uh, Manic Street Peaches, Preachers yeah, yeah yeah he's about to go off on an American tour mm. I think it's the first like, proper Manic tour the Manic Street Preachers have done and yeah and, he, and so he well we assume he killed himself like the night before. Yeah. Interestingly, Ian Curtis killed himself just before an American tour. Really? With Joy Division. So wow. I don't know if it's just if it's America. Yeah. That is causing everyone to kill themselves. Yeah, because I think it didn't. Um, the Sex Pistols actually do a tour of America, and shortly after that. Yeah, well, Barrett they, they did after, a tour of America, but it all fell apart. Was, yeah. yeah. I've had the feeling you've been cheated. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, not Sid Barrett, is it? Sid Barrett's from Pink Floyd. What yeah, was the Sid? Sid Barrett was the original singer in Pink Floyd for their first two albums. Yeah, what was the surname of the Sid in um, in Sex Pistols? Vicious. Vicious. Okay. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, and but he, yeah, he died in. Did he die in? A, yeah, he died in New York. Yeah. yeah. In the Chelsea uh, Hotel. Uh, oh, 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 the death of his girlfriend. Well, he he was on. It was on bail, wasn't he, for yeah. the murder of his girlfriend and Chloe something. Chloe. Nancy. Nancy. No, Nancy. Spun- yeah. Nancy Spongin. But yeah, but the thing was she was a big heroin or Yeah, yeah. So, so Well they're both big heroin addicts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, they were. Yeah. yeah. But mm. I think she might have she got, got him onto it. harder stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because he used to hang around John Lydon first. Yeah, he, he wasn't interested in her. No, because didn't, didn't the Sex Pistols buy, when I watched the documentary for something in the filth, they said they, filth tried, filth. they, they, tried, they, they either dangled her out the window upside down. Wow. What was that, as a joke? Or no, just no, because he just seemed like what he was doing to his friend. Oh, okay, okay. Wow. I mean, um, the guy's real name was actually Simon John Ritchie, but he was known as Sid Vicious, Spiky John, the Prince of Punk. Uh, more interestingly, um, he actually was an associated performer with Susie and the Banshees as well. Oh, he auditioned for them, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, Robert Smith in The Cure was the guitarist in Susie and the Banshees for a number wow. of years, okay. when he sort of put The Cure to the back. Cool. And he thought he'd join a proper band. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. 
So what's your take on that, MKH? Um, I, I, what concerns me is that um, I would rather uh, the human being be here than the fact that they are uh, so depressed that that inspires great music. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. throw away that great music really if it meant that person could still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think Noel Gallagher said something like that about once when um, he was coming through with um, Oasis on their first album, and um, everyone was just getting away from grunge, and I think um, Kurt Cobain was having his troubles, and uh, I think he eventually killed himself. But I think shortly before that happened, um, um, Noel Gallagher was talking about how all the music that Oasis creates is about aspirations, uplifting music and he wanted something that was an antithesis of all of the grunge and st- songs that make you want to feel bad and sad and kill yourself because I think Pearl Jam and Nirvana had been like really popular before Oasis had their moment of fame you know mm. yeah because I, I well that's the whole idea of Britpop really was a, yeah. was a reaction to Mm. Uh, American grunge scene. Although it started off more, more with Suede yeah. than, um, than Oasis. Suede were like the first Britpop band mm. in like 91 before Blur and Oasis caught on. But Suede were a bit melancholy themselves though, weren't they? Uh, yeah, but I mean, they were proper kind of mm. balls out indie guitar, you know, and probably the most important band since the Smiths at that time. Mm. And so they took the focus back from the. America of course in Britain we also had like the second summer of love and baggy mm. so there was that music scene going on at the same time with the you know the primal scream and happy Mondays and stuff like that and mm. so Brett Anderson goes solo in the end the lead singer of Suede or is he still uh, with the band I think Suede are still together I think they released an album quite recently yeah. but Bernard Butler left after the second album he's the guitarist okay he, yeah but th- that was the first reaction to grunge Okay. Although I mean, grunge is weird because I mean I don't think the music is that depressing. I mean, the Nirvana's music isn't depressing. It's quite yeah. upbeat, and it's I mean, Kurt Cobain. The reason Nirvana, Nirvana the most famous grunge band, is not because of Kurt Cobain. It's because they actually wrote pop songs. Yeah. They're just loud pop songs. Whereas the other grunge bands, they're, they're proper kind of rock bands. Whereas Mm. There's always like a pop sensibility with Nirvana. Mm-hmm. There's a tune in Nirvana songs that yeah. isn't, you don't get in other grunge songs. I mean, another person who's, I mean, speaking of Britpop, I think is kind of his music, has, his mental state, I think, has inspired a lot of his music is uh, Damon Albarn as well, because um, there was the relationship he had with um, Justin Frischman, who was in Elastica and uh, for a short time in Suede. And. Uh, he had an interesting relationship where they collaborated on yeah. each other's projects and then um, I think when he'd finally split up with her he did like a very um, critically acclaimed album with Blur called 13 and um, was, was that oh, okay so uh, and that was one of the lesser known albums but um, 13 was talking about a lot of the issues about dealing with drugs um, breakup relationships etc yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, I mean the thing is I, I think Damon Albarn is He's somebody who puts a lot of himself on the line into into his music, and uh, I think even with the Gorillas as well, where he's got the caricature characters, he does talk talk about a lot of his um, 
personal worries, inadequacies, and concerns about the world and the environment and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, as a artist, what do you think Dave Manalban's best period was? Like with Blur <laughs> as a solo artist or I, with the Gorillas? Um, I don't know. Um, well, Blur is obviously what he's going to be remembered for. Mm. I think. Um, I like. I like American Grungy Blur from mm. the Blur album. Okay. Which was what their fifth album. Okay. When they they started listening to Pavement and like American um, bands that come at slightly after grunge. Yeah. And so it's got this more. I mean, Song Two's from that album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Beetle Bum. So it's more kind of guitar-y, more kind of rock and roll. Whereas like Park Life and Modern Life is rubbish. They're more pop albums. Mm. No, I mean Park Life. They were. Um, I mean they conquered the smash hits crowd with that album and even Oasis didn't do that yeah it's Michael who j- which is your favourite version of Damon Albarn <laughs> sorry which is your favourite version of Damon Albarn is it the Blur version the, the solo artist version or the Gorillaz version I never really followed him that much I liked a couple songs that was yeah. about it yeah I mean the, the reason why I'm interested in Damon Albarn because he's a, a local just, yokel as well well, then he started getting a bit friendly with Tony Blair and it sort of yeah. when the government got in it sort of ruined the Britpop for me cause well I think they, the government definitely ruined D-Ream and their things <laughs> can only get better song which was probably the most uplifting song which became the anthem of New Labour didn't it <laughs> I think it was just then then you, then you got Tony Blair going now he was such a big fan of it yeah. it just spoiled it it just spoiled, burst a bubble because it was sort of like oh it, it was all fresh now now it's got all boring and corporate because you got like some old man someone not in that generation go oh yeah oh yeah I play the guitar as well yeah it just burst it got a bit Richard Brent didn't it it, it, yeah. it just destroyed the whole bubble of when when that freshness one, it just turns out very quickly. Because mm-hmm. it either turned like the Gallagher brothers against each other, because Noel was sort of up for going to number ten. Yeah. Where Liam went. He's been more anti-establishment. Yeah, I'm not going there. Yeah. And it just sort of, you could see the rift getting bigger between the brothers, because he's looking. One's like he think Liam thinking his brothers a sell out. Yeah. To that Manchester sort of scene. I, 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 I don't care what other people think. Yeah, I mean, MKH, what do you think about the uh, the death of Britpop? Is that has that been a uh, we've we lost a bastion of like uh, upbeat music? Yeah. Um, we have grime now. Yeah, <laughs> we've got grime. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about grime. What is grime all about? Um, so it's it's basically um, the the development of hip hop in. So what um, um, Rakim and is it Eric B? Yeah. Did in the early eighties. Yeah. Dizzy Rascal did that in in two thousand and three. I want to say. Yeah. And ever since then, it's been growing into the point where it is now Brit pop. This is the the sound mm. of British popular. <laughs> so Britpop is now the death knell about being the death knell of music, rather than the birth of something bright and positive. It's like once you stray into the Britpop arena, the next yeah, place I is d- the cemetery. Yeah, I don't see any. 
um, upbeat songs that I want to listen to. Yeah. When I think about British popular music, mm. all I see is Stormzy on stage with his shirt off. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about um, Grime is like, uh, it is, I would say it's England's version or the UK's version of uh, hip hop, but it's obviously, it's urban, it's uh, a combination of jungle, two step, a uh, little bit of drum <coughs> bass. And um, it's this brought out a lot of new artists that a lot of people probably would never have heard of before, like Skepta, Stormzy, the Streets, Dizzy Rascal, Kano, Lethal Bizzle. But um, do you think Grime is instead of turning a corner, it's facing a dead end now? Now it's become too popular. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think once once something once something that is organically developed. Yeah. Developed has the tentacles of uh, capitalism wrapped around its neck it's well, always going to lose the essence of what it was originally intended for it always seems to be that um, musicians or the ability of musicians seem to take a dive when they start getting the awards I suppose Is it, are the accolades getting in the way of the music I hate how um, especially whether it's because you've got the Mobos the Brit Awards why do you, need, if you why do you, why if as long as people are listening to your music and they rate your music why do you need accolades from the establishment mm. so to speak I don't I don't get that yeah I don't get that validation that mm. especially when, in grime nowadays that they're rushing oh I, I really want a Brit yeah yeah I yeah. really really want a Brit yeah when when it sounds like they they weren't um satisfied with a mobo yeah and yeah, the mobo yeah. was created because the brits weren't giving you opportunities yeah so now the first opportunity you get a nomination at the brits you don't go back to the mobos anymore because you're established yeah it sounds yeah. like you've you've forgotten where you've come from mm. i mean i think uh a lot of music is still out there waiting to be discovered i think by the time um you, it gets into the that pathway of like we're celebrating it on TV uh, in between commercials with a Dermot O'Leary presentation and a and a spaced out timed awards uh, presentations I think people kind of lose interest in those artists I mean for me I'm actually enjoying the idea of discovering new artists from concerts gigs and dare I say it YouTube autoplay you know really yeah, I, I like the idea of the thing is YouTube, even though it's an algorithm, uh, it's got this thing where if you listen to a certain style or type or brand of music, it's always trying to push you into the direction of a sound-alike version. So um, I discovered a band the other day called Starfuckers, which had a really good track um, called I think it was The Room or something like that and it was really good I met I found a band which is an indie band called Karangabin which is a band from Texas which is a, a kind of um, indie funk band so I, I think I've been a long way from listening to radio or listening or watching awards or stars on album covers to work out what a good band is how about yourself Steve? well I listen to Spotify mostly. I get now I, they give you like weekly, no daily playlists. Yeah. With different genres that you listen to. Yeah. It took me ages for. I, I was listening to a lot of um, uh, sort of Riot Girl. 
yeah music last year okay, you okay. Know, so that's like uh right girl the band or right, right girl, the genre girl, the actual genre the kind of feminist yeah. um punk scene of the early 90s with bands like bikini kill and heaven to betsy and babes in toyland would you say um artists like mia would fit into the right girl yeah style? yeah but i've been trying to get a kind of female punk playlist yeah that Spotify will do for me every day yeah. so I just listened to loads of it and then finally about three weeks ago I finally mm. got one of my playlists it was all female cool. vocal um, punk groups and it was like hey finally so but how does Spotify put, work for you to create that playlist but does that include Pussy Riot Pussy the Russian uh, Pussy band Riot too. probably would yeah but I mean they weren't part of the original early 90s scene oh okay. yeah 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 um, Possibly because they was in prison for the <laughs> quite a long time, like nine years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they was in prison for like five years. Yeah, well. fair enough. Yeah. yeah. But, the, um, but yeah, so how does Spotify playlist work? How do you set them up? You know, you just after a while, um, Spotify through their algorithms, I suppose they really figure out what what you're listening to. You're in their matrix, and then, and then they, they yeah, <laughs> and then they give you playlists based on different things that you listen to. So I've got like I've got a reggae one. Mm. I've got like a weird dance one, which is all like Aphex Twin and Luke Viber and okay. you know, kind of scary dance. Yeah. And then I've got like this old like sort of late eighties indie one with like Wonder Stuff and Car USM on it. Yeah. And um, I've got one which is kind of more kind of serious mm. British indie band like The Fool and okay, Wire yeah. and stuff like that. It's quite yeah. It's it's easy. It's, it makes listening to music really easy. And you do discover new stuff a lot of the time because they stick new stuff in these places. Yeah. Does so it? Go, Ooh, that's nice. Does it not scare you when a a machine figures out your alg- algorithm? Your favourite. Well, no, because I mean I've given all the information freely, and yeah. so uh, I mean that's all it knows about me. Yeah. What music I listen to. You know, no, I'm really scared. But is it, there is an question, interesting question behind that. Is like, can you enjoy the music more if you're not? Consciously exactly. going out there exactly. to select it. Yeah, is it? Are it's you enjoying what, it? So, can you enjoy the music more if you're not consciously making an effort to select it, like directly? I have no problem. I mean, no, because uh, you know, when I was growing up, I used to buy albums like all the time. I spent all my money on albums, mm. and um, the amount of shit albums you buy because <laughs> just because you didn't know what it sound like. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. now it's just great. Spotify is amazing because. You can listen to anything you want and also at the same time. Because it's dealing with singles now because I obviously in yeah, the I old days... To, yeah. That's the problem with Spotify. I listen to less albums now. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's built to yeah. like have yeah. a playlist rather than to listen to albums. Because that eliminates the problem of I really like this artist. I've yeah, heard yeah. their first three hit songs. Now I'm going to buy their 10 or 12 track album. Yeah. Oh shit. It's not as good as I thought it was. Yeah. And then you've really spent like 10 to 15 pounds on an album based on those three or four tracks. Yeah, when I was 14 or 15, I used to have like, say, 20 quid. I used to go to our local music shop mm. and like the local indie shop in Truro, which is the only city in Cornwall. Mm. And I used to spend like three or four hours in there just trying to find two albums. Like an HMV that I could or buy something. And it, you know, trying to guarantee that I'd, they'd be something I want. And so. You know, I'd, I'd narrow it down to kind of ten, then five, yeah. and then finally the two albums that I could afford in my twenty quid. Yeah. But now I can just you know switch on Spotify, and I can listen to basically anything from the history of popular music. And you don't get that kind of you don't put that effort into music into looking for music anymore. Do you know what I had a sim a similar situation where it's slightly different when there's um I can't remember if it was Little Woods or 
whatever the next there was a, there was like this mail order company that sent you CDs oh Britannia Music like. Britannia Music yeah and they eventually from all the money they made they obviously had a reward ceremony but <laughs> they used to send you uh, CDs in a big box the yeah. pendolin like sometimes in the shoebox if you bought multiple uh, CDs but I think the way they got you in was like oh come and get this deal your first five yeah, albums you get your for first free. five albums for free but then every album after that yeah. was actually three quid more than they were selling it in the shops but the thing is they had this interesting thing where if you didn't like what you listened to you could put the CD back in the case back in the box and send it back for free and exchange it for another one but it was like this kind of you had to be kind of very discerning with your taste and they didn't have a massive selection either yeah 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 so it was kind of uh, it was like very colourful very snappy yeah, like yeah. we've got you 2 we've got Elton John we've got my George Michael and then when you look behind <laughs> the curtain of what they've really got it was like no that's all we've got now <laughs> and like you can't buy anything else like I you're bought, stuck I bought Tim Machine's album yeah. from Battalion Music Club yeah. you know David Bowie's band in the yeah 80s. yeah yeah and um, Blue Oyster Cult's greatest hits. Mm. I mean, because I've run out of things from the place to. I always remember Britannia um, music, the mail catalogue being the place where it just allowed me to get the whole Nirvana back catalogue oh, very quickly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So then um, it was like I got all of it. I think when uh, Nevermind came out, I was a bit late to it. I was listening to the music, but I hadn't bought the album. And then another album came out, and it was like they had like four albums, and I managed to buy them all and I think uh, then all I had to do now was go to HMV and just looked for the um, the unmastered cuts or the um, the stuff that they weren't on release but they had uh, cut it together and made like EPs out of so yeah. that took the weight of trying to build my CD collection but it wasn't like organic it was kind of clunky trying to get into that music well, I haven't actually bought an album for about six or seven years now so I can't even That's remember the last time I actually <laughs> bought music, which is a yeah. bit sad. When's the last time you bought music, MKH? I was going to buy Drake's new album. Drake, the hip-hop artist. Yeah, he, he's got a double CD out now. Yeah. No, he's Mexican. Is he really Mexican? <laughs> are you learning that from the TV show Atlanta, or you you think he's really Mexican? <laughs> oh, you know what? It's like um, <laughs> Justin, Justin Bieber's black in that. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I was going to buy his new album, but I just never got around to it yeah. because, um, yeah. I, I, That's I one less bottle of Cavassier he can buy now because of you. No, but it's ridiculous though. Like for, for I think, was it 69 pence? Yeah. For a um, single? Yeah. Um, I mean, they can go whistle. I mean, even a 69 pence, that's, good. that's a good price, man. Singles used to be like three quid at one point. Like free actual pounds back in the nineties, yeah, just because of his like you, top yeah, ten. Yeah, and that that was a disgrace. Yeah, I remember um, like people when uh, I think there was a time when one, two, and three in the UK music charts were all reggae songs. I think it was Snow, oh, no, that was, yeah, Snow, Snow, Informer, Shaggy, and, and uh, Shabaranks. Yeah, 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 and uh, that was crazy. But um, I remember Iron Maiden got to number one. Yeah, at Christmas 1988, I think with Bring the Daughter to Slaughter. Yeah, they bought their single out the week after Christmas. Yeah, they yeah. Were music then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So straight in at number one, their only number one single. Do you know what yeah. I? I remember as a Back to the Future fan when um, Huey Lewis and the News. I think they got to like set. I think their ultimate high was like number three, but they never got. They kind of hung around like number seven, 
and with the a track called The Power of Love. And um, I think Jennifer Rush somehow had the same song I'm title. Goes to Hollywood. Yeah. They had The Power of Love at number one too that year. I think it yeah. was the same year, three but different it, songs. Yeah, but it was, like, uh, it was like, um, Frank, not Frank, sorry, it was like Huey Lewis in the news and Jennifer Rush were out yeah. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And I just kept thinking like, how is Jennifer Rush still number one because I hate that song <laughs> and um, I was just thinking are people just are people's mums and dads just going to the shop and saying I want the power of love just picking up any old CD and then having to return it three yeah, weeks yeah. later because <laughs> they haven't bought the Back to the Future song and I was thinking like they were getting ripped off but yeah that was a strange time like three power of love songs in yeah. one year cool okay are we, are we landing the plane or are we Rolling out. Yeah, we, we are. The birds, uh, are, we, the birds are, are calling. We are descending right okay. now. Okay, I suppose the best way to end it then is like, which was your favourite power of love, Michael? Was it Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Huey Lewis in the News, or Jennifer Rush? I preferred the Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yeah, okay. MKH, Frankie, Huey, or Jennifer? Frankie. Frankie, okay. I'd go for Frankie, but you know, then there's the Patrick Bateman who probably goes for Huey Lewis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I think um, for me, I think at the time because I wasn't really that mature enough to understand what uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood is talking about. I think I'm gonna go with Huey Lewis and Lewis because of nostalgia, and um, I still didn't like that Jennifer Rush song. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, that was uh, Mood and Music uh, thank you for listening really appreciate your time be lending us your ears um, you've been listening to Enough Said and you have been hearing the uh, uh, sumptuous sounds of Stephen Code cheers you have been hearing the miraculous moments of Michael Ahern Bye. And you have also been listening to the modifiable mechanics of MKH Inc. Aloha. I've been your host, uh, Trevor Jones, and that was enough said. If you'd like to know more about this podcast, uh, feel free to tap onto your smartphone or electronic device into the internet and type for the hashtag... I-N-U-F-S-A-I-D that's hashtag enough said if you'd like to know more about the charity you can always contact us via www.inuf.org that's www.enough.org or if you'd like to follow us on social media we are available at at enough underscore the charity that's at I-N-U-F underscore T-H-E-C-H-A-R-I-T-Y that's been enough we've been enough said and you've been a wonderful audience thank you for listening we hope to that you hear from us again soon ciao for now